Hey everybody and welcome to episode 67 of the Reviver Cell podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself Podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome to episode 67 of the Revive Yourself Podcast. Um, Whoa. The feedback I got from Jason Christoph's episode has been uh, phenomenal and I'm glad you guys are really taking this on board and really going to get out there and, you know, make the changes necessary for this 5G. You know, it's going to be something we have to go out there and we have to start to, um, well, you know, just put things in place and just let everyone know what's going on um, because we're all in this together. Um, As always... uh, anyone dealing with a, a chronic health issue head on over to www.reviveyourself.co we've got a free 4 day mini course there and um, you know I've been getting a lot of emails people with chronic issues I can only take on a certain amount of people I've only actually got uh, two spaces open at the moment um, probably seem to be one um, so so uh, if you are looking for help with a chronic health issue whether it be skin gut um Alzheimer's, uh, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, whatever it may be, you know, chronic fatigue, uh, diabetes, then uh, you can get in touch with me at ryan at reviveyourself.co or you can click on the contact link on the site. Um, but yeah, we will, uh, I will jump on a call with you and see if and how we can help you. Um, otherwise, guys, today's interview is with Sal DiFestano, and he's one of the uh, the hosts of a podcast called Mind Pump. Um, I started listening to them about a year and a half ago, and they're three guys from America. There's Sal, along with Justin and Adam, and they've got Dougie, their producer, and they've got a really good podcast uh, that integrates the fitness industry with, with health, um, but Sal's a lot like me. He's been in the fitness industry. He's he's had his own issues with his gut, but he dives a lot into uh, the natural health world with the other two now, and and their podcast incorporates all that. And I'm just really interested to get, get him on the show and just talk about his experience. Um, he's been through a lot of things with with his, with his divorce, with his, with his kids, and how he's in um, how he's implementing certain strategies with them for their health and and around. Um, and different electronic devices and also talking about just the mind pump journey and what what got him into it and uh, the guests they interview and just just digging into uh, a lot a lot around this natural health industry and, and really why why uh, he got into it why they got they started mind pump and also the best information for for the clients and how to get it across and understanding that health and not aesthetics is the underlying root goal. So without further ado, here's Sal. Um, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. So Sal DiFestano, welcome to the Revival Seal podcast. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing good, brother. Thanks for having me on. No, no worries. Um, been trying to, well, been you... Yourself, uh, Adam, and Justin have been part of my day now for, I'd say, just over, a, yeah, over, a, over a year, maybe, maybe even more actually, maybe about a year and a half. You know, I stumbled across your your podcast um, about that time. Looking, I was just searching Paul Check, um, and your first interview come up with him, 
and listened to it and obviously you know what Paul's like it was a phenomenal interview but then uh, just you three had a really good chemistry so I've been listening to you ever since and it's been a it's been a great a great journey really with you and I've seen you guys are blowing up now right yeah it's a, it's a, we started the podcast about three and a half years ago and it's been just a blast ever since I mean you talk about Paul Check, what a great uh, guest extremely polarizing which is interesting to me uh, how how he can be polarizing just because I think his message is so universal, but I think it's the way he delivers the message. And so we 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 try to get people on the show that will stir up that kind of a, a conversation, you know, where he's going to challenge people's beliefs and get people to think uh, about their own beliefs. And I think at the end of that or at the other end of that is typically growth. As long as somebody's open minded, you'll get growth, whether we agree or disagree with the person you're listening to. If it gets you thinking, it's always a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, with Paul, I mean, I had him on my show about about a month ago and people were just like raving about it. The thing is, you see, he's polarizing. To me, he's only polarizing to people that don't, maybe are new into the industry or people that, I think I think it was one, of, I think it might have been you who said it or one of your guests might have said it. Um, I said like, the more you know, the more you realize that he knows. <laughs> And so, yes. and so he's, he's done, the thing is, as I always tell people, that he's read more books, he's done more, he's been in this game a long time, now. he's 56 now, and so you're listening to a guy with a wealth of experience, a lot of knowledge and everything, and that interview, uh, I think you've got three interviews with him, they're all really, really good, um, and uh, they, they, they delve into a lot of the different topics that people, I mean, traditionally, this is one of the things, I want to talk to, I want to actually go into how you started, like, the mind pump thing, but, you know, one of the big things that I've seen, I mean, you guys were in the, the, the fitness industry for a long time, but something that I was in for a long time, but you realise once you actually get ill, because on my background, as I got ill, um, I got really ill when I was, like, 17 to 22, and you, you quickly realise that the, the fitness industry hasn't actually got that much to do with health, um, and really, apart from this, apart from just working out, and when it comes to a lot of the supplements, like the foods you've been told to eat, a lot of them can be highly allergenic and inflammatory. And like when you're looking at someone like Paul, he's he goes into all that, which is really really interesting. So, I mean, just just for the just for this, our listeners, like how did you how did you guys um, like come together? How did Mind Pump really start? Well, um, I've been in fitness uh, personally for gosh, about 20, let me think now, maybe 26 years. But professionally, I've been in fitness for t- over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam and Justin, uh, both about 15 years. And we all worked in uh, uh, for 24-Hour Fitness, which if you're not familiar uh, with that company in the U.S., it, it, it is the largest like fitness club chain organization in the world. And at the time when I was working with them, it, they were going through one of their their, their first big growth spurts. And towards the end of my career, I had heard about, um, Adam in particular, we were, we were top performers in this company and there was, you know, they had about 400 or 500 clubs at the time. And you would know about the top guys in the company because, you know, award ceremonies and stuff like that. So I'd heard about him, never really met him or never really talked to him. And fast forward, you know, years later, I owned a wellness studio on my own. I had left the, that, you know, that company and, I had created this uh, this program called Maps uh, Anabolic. It's actually the first one of the programs that we sell on on our show, and it's a fitness program. It's an exercise programming, and it's very counter to the typical bodybuilder bro split type of routine. But it's also very effective and all that stuff. And so I put it together, put together some sales material with uh, Doug, who's now our producer. And uh, I had been following Adam on social media for a little while, and every once in a while we would message each other. 
comments about you know the industry and where it's going and our predictions. And so I sent him my sales video material on maps and sent him the program and he called me up and he's like, this is fantastic. This is exactly kind of the direction that I, you know, I want to go myself. And, um, we decided, uh, starting a podcast together would be a good idea. And so we all met and, um, had great conversation. The very first time I sat down with Adam and Justin, we, we sat down and talked for about three or four hours. It just went off and you know, really what, what it was, was, you know, at the time, this is about maybe four and a half years ago. So, so the podcast has been live for about three and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. but we all met maybe four, four and a half years ago. And at the time I sat down and I, I talked about things like, you know, here's the thing with fitness or health, I should say, is it's all compartmentalized. You have your aesthetic based fitness, you know, industry side, which is about fat loss. It's about looking muscular. It's about six packs. It's about taking supplements, um, you know, maximum muscle, maximum fat loss, that kind of stuff. Then you also had this like wellness side of fitness, which was about health and longevity and quality of life. Um, and included things like yoga, meditation, eating anti-inflammatory foods, avoiding heavily processed foods, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, they didn't, they never crossed over. Like it never really, like you either did one or the other. If you were selling a product or talking about fitness, you either were on the, you know, the woo woo wellness side or you were on the super hardcore fitness performance muscle building side. And so when we sat down, I, you know, because we had been doing this for so long, I think when you're in fitness, as long as we have, if you're really passionate about it and it's truly something that drives you, at some point, you start to realize that you know the, the the humans are this this organism that encompasses everything, like not just you know muscle and biomechanics and fat loss and macros and calories, but also the emotional state, the mental state, the ability to manage stress, uh, growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, like all those things kind of you know cover total health and wellness. And so we'd all knew that it was kind of crazy that nobody really was talking about the whole, the human as, the, as a whole organism. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, look, we want to start a show and talk about all these different things and, you know, uncover or, you know, a, like hammer head on the myths that we see that are promoted in fitness that, you know, are designed to sell products and to get people to do things like let's hammer those myths. Let's. Let's go after those golden, you know, calves of, of information, common knowledge, things that people took for granted is like truth when in reality we knew they were false. And so that was really the goal. And, and then the, you know, the, the other part of it that we really didn't discuss too much, it just kind of became a part of our flavor was that we were very, um, you know, raw, very uncensored and that we had a great chemistry so we could talk and laugh and bullshit and cuss and whatever. And so it, it, you know, that, that kind of brought people in because it was entertaining. And, um, and that was kind of the beginning uh, of the show. And a lot of the beginning of the show was hammering on the myths. You know, some of our earliest episodes were things like, you know, eating small meals throughout the day is a myth, like in terms of fat loss and muscle building, like that was a big one. And, uh, you know, other big ones were, you know, protein intake, you can definitely overdo it and you don't need the ridiculous amounts that the supplement industry has you believing. And then we went after, body part split routines and, and how those are the, probably not effective for most people. or They definitely aren't effective for most people, even if it's just for muscle building. 
and how you know uh, making yourself healthier will contribute to your aesthetic goals far better than your aesthetic goals will contribute to your health. So this is why, if I'm gonna say, I just want to say, this is why I've stuck around with you guys for so long, because mm-hmm. you do that. Because I've, I mean, listen to some others, and like, to be honest with you, I'm from an athletic background, uh, like Justin for sports, and you listen to it, and a lot of it, they talk about building it, and it's just, it's just like bro stuff. Whereas you guys, you, you've done that. So I said, like, lot like the myths you go after, it's you combine like the muscle building side of it with that, and that's why it's, it's so, it's so. In fact, for me, it was really refreshing to hear because I'm part of the natural health industry. I mean, I'm very holistic with what we do, and to hear that, it was like brilliant. When you also like, for example, you you've had your own histories with your gut, and so you've been, and I mean, mine, if you go and look at Sal's picture, Sal's in good shape, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's very muscular, good shape, uh, all, all three of the guys are, and I mean, you, you even went after like cutting out breakfast, right, breakfast being the most important meal of the day, that, that was another myth you went after. Yeah, we went after a lot of the myths, I mean, like I said, if you stay in this long enough, and if you're very passionate about it, and especially if you work with people, because we trained people, right, for for decades, mm-hmm. we train yeah. clients. So I've, I've trained personally, I don't know, thousands of people. And if you really care about getting people to progress in a, in a real long-term solid way, like I'm not just trying to get this person in shape, you know, for over the next, you know, couple months or three months, I'm trying to get them to adopt a lifestyle that's going to benefit them for the rest of their life. You, you, you start to, you gain wisdom as a result. Like you have all this knowledge. Like I know the right things or I know what the literature says. I know what the science says, but then I have to combine that with experience. Like what actually works and not only what works, what are people going to do? And how do I, what's the most effective way to communicate this so that people will understand it? Because one thing that I understood early on as a trainer was, you know, I have all this information in my head or all this understanding in regards to fitness. Like I know when someone comes to me and says, I want to lose 30 pounds or I want to get better mobility, I want to improve my health. I I have generally a really, really good idea of what's going to work for them just because it's my field. This is my profession, my passion, right? Just like if I went to a plumber or an electrician and I tell them what I want done in my house, they'll have a very good idea of what needs to happen. But the problem was getting that information or at least getting a person to understand and agree upon and implement that information in their own life. So how could I take what's in my mind and in my body, what I understand, transfer it to another person so that, you know, they automatically get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, I get it. This is how I need to live. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that, really, I can't transplant it. We're not in the matrix. I can't plug the brain into something and just download it. We are in the matrix. It's not that way. Yeah. Right. So what I have to do is I have to, uh, communicate, using my words, and I have to convince them. I have to be an effective communicator. So I'll give you an example, right? So one of the reasons why the fitness industry, you know, um, focuses so heavily on the aesthetic, on fat loss, muscle building, looking good, looking sexy, and and one of the reasons why they focus so much on get there quick, 30 days, you're going to get in shape, you know, take this pill, it's the magic pill. The reason why they do this, or part of the reason, is because consumers demand it. Like, what com- consumers demand the impossible, so you're going to get a bunch of producers who are going to try to deliver the impossible and lie to you. So it's almost like we're asking for it. Like, people love hearing that they're going to take a pill 
and it's going to solve all the problems. Or they don't want yeah. to hear magic bullet approach, right? People usually overestimate what they can do in you know, people, yeah, usually overestimate what they can do in uh, six weeks, and usually underestimate what they can do in a year because they just want a magic bullet approach. Of course, and they don't, and you know, you don't want to hear like you want to hear from somebody. Oh, cool! Do this one thing; it's real easy. I'll get in shape. They don't want to hear mm-hmm. it's going to take a, a complete change in your understanding of how you eat, your relationship to food, exercise. It's going to be a lifestyle change that needs to be permanent. Hundred like, percent. Nobody wants. Nobody wants to hear that. So you have to be able to communicate it effectively. So I'll give you a great example. Like one of the most effective things that I'll say to people to open up the conversation and get them to kind of pay attention is, and it's a true one, by the way. I'll never lie. It's always it's always based on integrity. Mm-hmm. Is if you chase aesthetics, if you chase the fat loss and the muscle building and all you care about is that, uh, you're not going to get good health and the aesthetics eventually will fail and you won't, get, you won't get those for long either. If you chase health, if all you ever do is chase optimal health, then not only will you get great health, but you'll get a great deal of the aesthetics because aesthetics are a, ref, a reflection or a representation of your overall health. And if you're very, very healthy, you're going you're gonna, to, for the most part, look pretty damn good. And so I sell it. I have to sell it that way. And it's true. It is true. But when I say that, then when I'm talking to somebody who does, you know, like if I just say to someone, Hey, you got to get healthy. They're like, I don't care about that. I just want to look good for the beach. But if I say to them, look, if you get healthy and focus on that, not only are you going to look good for the beach, but you'll look good forever. And if all you ever do is chase looking good for the beach, you might achieve that in a short period of time, but eventually your health is going to fail and your aesthetics are going to fail as well. I might start to get through to people. And so it's really about how we communicate these ideas, how we communicate this knowledge based on our wisdom of how we worked with all these people. And that's what we try to do on the show. And, you know, it's also this this idea that when it comes to – because here's something else that people in the fitness industry do that I, that I think is counterproductive, is that they present this idea of health as this all or nothing type of thing because they tend to forget that for example, I'll give you a good example. When it comes to nutrition, when it comes to food, right? The, if you're like a hardcore fitness fanatic or health professional, you may say to someone, hey, you know, eating a cupcake is terrible for your health. Just never eat it. There's never a, a, there's never a time when eating a cupcake will be good for you. <laughs> and yeah. the prob- the, now, the problem with that is, is there's, there's a lot of problems with that. Number one, it's false. It's actually yeah. not true. Yep, not true. Number two, number two is if if you do in, in fact accomplish your, you know, the goal of getting that person to never eat these types of foods, you 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 start to develop uh, or promote another eating disorder called orthorexia, which is mm-hmm. where you have to measure and weigh and everything has to be a perfect or whatever, and you can never enjoy life and all those other things. So what happens is they 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 don't realize that food, for example, is not only does it represent or not only does it provide you know, properties and things and nutrients and macronutrients that'll benefit your physical body, you know, your proteins, your fats, your carbs, your micronutrients, your phytonutrients, your whatever, that can contribute or take away from your physical health. But there's other things involved with food that may contribute or take away from, say, your emotional health, the connections with people around you. Uh, maybe, Maybe a little bit of reprieve at this moment might benefit you in the long term. Like, Here's an easy example, right? It's food you for know? the soul, though, right, Sal? It's food. Like every, every tribe had it. It's food for the soul, you know? That's right. So maybe it's maybe it's my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. It's homemade cupcakes. I'm enjoying this moment. 
So is it healthy for me to enjoy my daughter's birthday with my daughter and the people around me and eat this cupcake? Well, sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So there's, you know, there's a balance. There's a natural balance that occurs when you understand that health and wellness encompasses all of those things. And then it's not this, you know, black and white on again, off again type of thing that we tend to see because, you know, to be, to be quite honest, the worst eating disorders I've ever seen in my entire life uh, are for, are, I've seen from people who are in fitness, who are in the fitness industry. Terrible. Mm -hmm. If you take a hundred fitness competitors and magazine cover models and you follow them around and look how their relationship is with food, I, uh, I guarantee you there won't be as a, a four out of five psychologists or psychiatrists will say, yeah, that person has disordered eating. Um, so it's, you know, it encompasses all those things and we try to communicate that as much as possible on the show. Yeah, no, no, 100% you do. I mean, what you said there, one of my taglines been for a long time, you know, is uh, you can look good and not be healthy, but once you're healthy, you're always going to look good. And and that's a big thing. It's, a, it's coming at it from a different way, you know. It's coming at it just from getting your health right. And look, unless you have got a chronic a chronic gut issue and we're trying to heal it, unless you've got some sort of, or maybe a chronic skin, a chronic skin issue, or other, or other chronic health issue where eating that cupcake is going to give you a disaster, I mean, like a health a health eruption in terms of your gut or whatever it is, and you need to stay away from it for a little bit of time because we're healing you. Um, 100% agree with you. You know that food for the soul and having time with your friends and family and enjoying that and being social is a huge part of health. You know, it's no, it's you can't just be locked away. And I'm not going to go out. I'm not because I'm not going to eat that. I mean, on a Saturday after sport, I mean, I play football with my friends and we have we have a few beers. You know, um, and I do right. things before and afterwards um, to like have the probiotics, milk thistle, for example. Uh, through mushroom complex, whatever it is to do before I set the stage. But, you know, having that time with my friends, it's a, it's a huge part of my, my social life. And uh, I, if I didn't do it, what, I'm going to go home and just sit there on my own? No, you know, and we're going to sit there and not enjoy it, watch everyone else have fun. You know, it's a huge part of it. But we, for a lot of people that we deal with, and probably you as well, so like you've got to get someone to that level of health first. But for the average person, um, yeah, telling people like that, that's I mean, unfortunately – with a lot of, I mean, I know your food over there is, is worse than ours over here. I mean, we're not with the amount of <laughs> pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, rodenticides, and uh, like glyphosate now sprayed over the wheat. I mean, it's uh, it's terrible. But um, you know, just doing things. I think you've been talking to Justin about it the other day, saying he gets a really bad reaction to, to gluten now, whereas he ever used to. Just because he can right. take it in five minutes, which is, which if you get that, obviously. You know, you're probably best off to stay away from it, but hugely agree with the, the whole mental part of it. And, and you know, that's why I really like that. It's weird because you're talking about the guests you get on. People don't understand. I actually just shot a video myself about this cell where I was talking about because I, I put something else about um, John Taylor Gatto up. I was talking about education system on, on my Twitter, and someone was like, "Oh, you're exploring that now as well." And I was like, "Well, no, as a health holistic health coach, we actually have to delve into everything because." Because like the education system, how people are learning, how you got taught, and understanding what it, what the reasons were behind that, and then like the law gets common law and civil law, and then you're going into your nutrition, how uh, who's who's behind it, pharmaceutical companies, medical industries, and it's like understanding that and how people have been programmed and the breathing and everything going on. You know, when you're a holistic health coach, you need to know all this because, as you said, it is all part of someone's health, right? Um, it is. Th yeah. I think even their political views, I know you go on about it, I see your things, and I, it's a huge part of it, because someone gets up in the morning, reads the paper, and oh my God, straight away, out of their parasympathetic nervous system, into their sympathetic, stress, cortisol up through the roof, blood pressure raise, all because they read a paper. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, as, an, as a holistic, you know, health expert, or 
as a really good personal trainer or fitness professional, really your job is your job is never to have all the answers. No. First off, nobody ever nobody has all the answers. No. I don't care who you are. And if you think you have all the answers, well, that's your first sign that you uh, that you're very very misinformed, yeah, yeah. Uh, overconfident in yourself, and, and you're probably going to do someone harm. Really, the goal is to be a maven, a maven for uh, you know for 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 information. So if someone comes to me and says, you know, I have this, you know, I'm very stressed out. My relationship with my wife or my husband is terrible. So I'm having poor sleep right now. Well, I may know somebody that's a sleep expert that can talk and help you, or I may know someone that is a relationship expert that can help you. My goal is to point out that all of these things contribute to the the state of your health and to help you yourself identify them. Because I think a lot of people don't understand or at least are, you know, they're in that stage of unconscious incompetence when it comes to mm-hmm. a lot of these things and, and how they affect, you know, their 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 state of well-being. And my job is just to kind of bring them to that conscious incompetence to where people go, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that I didn't know that. And that may be contributing to, you know, how I feel and, uh, you know, the quality of my life. And, and then my job is to kind of point them in the direction of where they can find more information or people that I may personally know. And that's always kind of been my approach. I've always gotten far more respect for my clients from saying things like, I don't know, but let me help you find out versus, you know, knowing the answer you know, to every question they have or yeah, every problem they have. So putting them in the, for example, you see when you say, well, oh, the research in this shows, you say, oh, well, when I say this, like, go and look at this or give them the information to go and learn them themselves, you know, because they might take out a bit certain bits that is really relevant to them that not as relevant to you. But it's just about having that, Having that knowledge that everything does matter. I mean, it's all—it's like having having a, a, a pie, right? And it's all different slices. If you cut the pie into different eight different slices, all different parts of that pie make the whole. And, and that's the thing. Like people don't generally because we've been sort of sold this sort of in our head, distracted life, and not going into the deeper issues or not understanding how it all impacts your health. People just stay in that sort of. They don't. They don't go deep enough. And once they start to understand, it, that's the thing. Just to maybe get to think differently and get them to understand and learn. Like, I mean, you mentioned something there about your about their relationship or about their um, wife or husband. You know, something that you've gone through um, was uh, you, you've mentioned it quite a few times on the show. It's like you went through a divorce. You said it's one of the most painful aspects you, you've you've been through. Um, how I mean, did that affect? First of all, I mean, did that affect your health? And second, second of all. I mean, you've got two kids with your ex ex wife. I mean, has that been a challenge um, in terms of getting her on board with the health and the things you do, or or has it been quite an easy easy thing to navigate? No, no, it's the most been, been the most it's the most difficult thing I've ever done. I, you know, of course it impacted my health. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think anything that you well, first of all, anything you do will impact your health in one way or another. Mm-hmm. But it was a very difficult, stressful uh, process and situation, and uh, you know. I've, I'm very fortunate in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by a, a family that really cares about me. And I also have, uh, you know, people I work with who are, uh, you know, very self-aware, who are there to support me and have a great girlfriend. And, um, you know, when you go through something like that, if you, when it comes to exercise and nutrition, I, I view them as tools that I can manipulate and use to help me through my everyday life. So sometimes I use exercise and sometimes I use nutrition to maximize performance because everything's going great in my life and I feel great and now I want to see 
how strong I can get and how fast I can be and how much stamina I can build and, you know, and all that stuff. And that becomes a, a that's a, a net positive for my life. It's a, it's something I enjoy doing. It's a pleasure. It's, I do it for the sake of doing it, which is, which is, which is great when you can get to a state where you, you work out for the sake of working out because you enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. You've now entered into a, you know, a, a state where that's probably what you're going to, you're, you're probably never going to stop now at that point. Now you're not, it's, it's not something that you'll ever stop. However, when I've gone through difficult, stressful, challenging uh, times in my life, like my divorce, exercise and nutrition become tools to help mitigate some of that damage or to keep me strong and healthy physically and mentally so that I can be at my my potent, whatever my peak potential is at that moment to be able to handle these things. Because what you have to ask yourself is, you know, will a fit, healthy, well-rested version of me handle this stressful situation better than a not fit, eating unhealthy, maybe not well-rested version of me? And the answer is almost always going to be yes, of course. Mm -hmm. So during that period of time, my workouts weren't really focused on performance or strength or fat loss or muscle building because that it, I, I w- it wouldn't have made sense. I couldn't go there. I couldn't push my body that way. My focus was mobility. My focus was stress relief. My focus was it was a form of meditation. It was a form of being present. You know, when I work out, I can put my headphones on. I can get into my my zone. And for that hour, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm thinking about. I'm also keeping my body healthy. I'm also keeping my body in a state where it can handle the stress a little bit better. I'm feeding myself much more carefully during that period of time because stress really affects the body, uh, everything from the your, your hormones. You know, I'm pretty sure my testosterone dropped. I'm pretty sure cortisol was elevated most of the time. Um, I know that my inflammatory markers were probably higher because your body senses a physical, uh, excuse me, an emotional or mental insult mm-hmm. in a very same similar way to a physical insult. Like if I, if you have a virus or if you cut yourself, inflammatory markers go, go up because your body's protecting itself. Well, if I have a mental or emotional stress, the body does the same thing because it, you know, really it doesn't discern between a stress that you have with your girlfriend or your ex-wife. It's, it's, it's a stress. Some stress, any, right? Yeah, and any any stress can pose a risk to you. So inflammatory markers go up, cortisol goes up to give you more energy in the short term. Uh, you know, burn more of that energy. Um, you're 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 just going to be in a state that's survival, which is which you know you can kind of burn yourself out or cause a lot of problems. So really, I was I was trying to take care of myself as good as possible with with the exercise and nutrition. And then from the emotional standpoint, you know, I tell you what. The, the hardest challenges in life, at least for me, have also presented to be the biggest opportunities for growth. Uh, that divorce or my divorce turned me into a much better, much more empathetic, patient uh, individual. I'm definitely not the same person I was uh, when I was married as I am now. Um, and it's, it's, it just pushed me in that direction. Now, I could have crumbled. I could have chosen to be angry and resentful, but you know I had some very strong motivations in in in, in the form of two children that I love more than anything, mm-hmm. and I, I can empathize and, and understand why some uh, men in particular run away or disconnect. You know, it's much more common for men to you know to 
take the role of being uh, the weekend dad or not being involved at all. There's a lot of absent fathers in the world, far more than 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 mothers, and I'm sure there's a biological reason for that. And I'm sure, but I'm also sure there's a there's a societal relationship oh, issue as well, I reckon. Yeah, and, and also societal, you know, reason for that. I mean, it's much more acceptable for a man to kind of be the weekend dad than it would be for the mother. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, we we don't have to go into all that, but you know, I love my kids very much and I said, "Okay, I got to put my ego aside as much as I you know, don't want to ever see this other person again or as much as I have all this resentment and she has her own resentment and believe me, there's there's always two sides to the equation, so it's never Almost never just one side, although sometimes it is. You know, I had to acknowledge my participation in that, in that dis- mm-hmm. the, the you know the dissolute the dissolvement of, of our of our marriage. Um, and so I had to put all that stuff aside, and I'd say, okay, how can I behave in a way so that we can work together to co-parent these children who, you know, it's, had, they had nothing to do with the fact that our our marriage didn't work. Or at least they didn't have anything to do with, you know, it, was, it wasn't their fault. It was our fault. So what can I do? What can we do to make this the best possible version of this scenario? And in my mind, my, my opinion, it was, you know, me and my ex-wife working together and co-parenting and potentially in the future doing so as cordial friends. I'm, I'm probably never going to be like best friends with her, but but we'll be cordial and we'll work together because we both share these these children in some respect. And I'm going to be as involved as possible uh, because I know how difficult of a transition that can be for my children. And let me tell you, it sounds great. It sounds all awesome the way I'm saying it. And people are listening going, yeah, that sounds awesome. Very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very difficult thing to do. You, you, you definitely, you know, you're going to snap at each other. You're going to do things. There's a lot of built up resentment and anger. Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, mo- most of it's resolved. Some of it's still there. I acknowledge that. But at the end of the day, like what's the desired outcome that we hate each other and we're angry with each other or is the desired outcome that we make the best of the situation, both for the kid's sake and for our own, because, you know, here's the bottom line. If I want to be in my children's life, uh, as a, uh, you know, as, as a father, uh, then I have to be in, in in my ex-wife's life because she's their mother, right? So we're always going to be in each other's life if we want to be in, the, in in our children's lives in some way. So I might as well make the best of it. And, um, I, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, and God bless my girlfriend and, and her boyfriend because now we have significant others because they ha- it, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to be on the other end of that because, you know, now I have a, a, a decent relationship with her and we talk often about the children. And, of course, that can challenge the other our new other halves because you're talking to your ex and all that stuff, but it's better. It's a better version of what that could, that could potentially turn into. And so, I mean, that's, that's really the bottom line is like, can I, you know, be growth minded? Can I put my ego aside? Can I move forward for the sake of my children, for the sake of myself to turn this into the best version of what it can potentially be? And, um, you know, that's the goal. I try and, I try and approach a lot of things, uh, that way, it doesn't make it easy. Some many times it makes it more difficult in the beginning, but I think in the end it turns out, it, you know, the, at least the potential, uh, you know, versions turn out much better if you if you approach them that way. Mm. I mean, it's like the more you grow, the more you sort of you're trying to. It's weird, like as you said, you have grow, you've grown through this, and you're more empathetic, and and you've 
you've become a different person. You're not the same person. You do do that. It's hard sometimes because sometimes as you grow as a person, you've got these other people that aren't on the same journey as you. They can pull you back into the old version of you that you don't want to be. <laughs> they can trigger things off. So what what has been? And you said it's been. You said it's been like very very difficult. What has been the most difficult aspect of that, Sal? Well, there's a lot of things. Um, uh, guilt. Guilt is a very, 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 uh, you know, that's a very common, at least from what I've read and fe- from people I've talked to in a similar situation. Guilt is a very common feeling that you will have as a divorced parent. Guilt for the the challenge and the stress and the grief and sorrow that you may be putting your children through because mm-hmm. You know, most children don't want to see their parents uh, divorce. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a form of chaos. They don't know what to expect. Where am I going to be? What's this going to look like? Are you still going to love me? Are you still going to be around? Like all these potential things. And so you have a lot of guilt surrounding that. So in the beginning, you know, it's almost like you, uh, you want to give your kids everything. You want to give them too much. You want to buy them whatever they want. You want to give in to all their demands because you want to be okay. You want to be good. You don't want to have them, you know, mm-hmm. have any pain as a result. So that was very difficult, very th- difficult thing to deal with too, because anytime my kids would have a challenge, you know, you know, let's say one of my, you know, let's say one of my kids had a challenge at school or with their friend, or maybe they couldn't sleep at night. It was very easy for me to place the blame on myself and the divorce. Like, Oh, you know, my daughter can't sleep tonight. It's because of all the turmoil of this divorce or it's all the you know, she's going through a difficult time or, you know, if my kid didn't do good in school, it must be because of this. And so that's a very difficult thing to process and go through. It's also a difficult thing to understand that, that these challenges also present an opportunity for your own kids for growth and could be a very, it can also be a positive, it can be a positive thing. That's a difficult thing to understand because you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to think that this can be a positive thing for, you know, your, your poor kid. The other difficult thing, this is a personal one, you know, I, I wasn't, I was definitely invo- involved as a father w- while I was married, but really my involvement was as the, you know, the fun dad, Here we're going to play, we're going to do things, I'm going to love you, I'm going to hug you, I'm going to kiss you, but I wasn't very involved at all in the day-to-day planning, scheduling, school stuff, making lunches, taking to the doctors, doctor's appointments, you know, that kind of stuff. I wasn't very involved at all with that. It was a, it was it was a very you know the kind of traditional stereotypical male role I think uh, that some of us fall into. So when we got divorced and now I have dual custody, well when my kids are with me, I have to take care of all those things, and so it was a major major learning curve. It's like boom, I was thrust into this this whole this new thing, and luckily I have a girlfriend that helps me quite a bit. But it was very you know very challenging, very difficult. Uh, very stressful, you know, because I would forget appointments. I'd forget to do this. Oh no, the homework wasn't done or, oh, you're supposed to dress this way for school today because it's spirit week or whatever. And I'd forget and I'd have to, you know, ask my ex-wife like what's going on or whatever. And she would get irritated and she'd say, well, you need, you need to figure this out now. So that was, uh, you know, that was a very, you know, difficult, uh, you know, part of the transition. Um, you know, the other difficult thing I think is, you know, once the relationship starts to develop is it was it's a difficult thing for if you start to date someone else because now when you're dating someone else not only do you have two children that are going to be with you half the time if you're doing what I do which is dual custody so that's a that can be a transition but also you know you have an ex 
wife or an ex-husband, you know, or whatever that you're also dealing with. And that can have its own challenges. If you have a terrible relationship, well, now that's a, that's, that's one difficult, you know, process. If you have a great relationship, that can be difficult as well. I can only imagine what it would be like to date someone who's talking to their ex on a regular basis about their kids. And you may feel like that's, you know, that's kind of weird or how do I deal with that? So that Mm -hmm. can be a challenge. The whole thing is a challenge. Um, it's not, uh, I I don't know if you would consider it ideal. Um, however, I think the way you approach it, um, can make it uh, a very positive thing. I can look and see that there's been a lot of, uh, positives as a result. I'm a better father now than I was when I was married. You know, that's for sure. Much more involved, uh, much more, uh, present. Um, it, it, you know, I had to reevaluate how I was before. I had to be very honest and look at things and how I was. And so I'm much better in that regard. I'm much more organized. I still need to be get better, but I need to get, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm much more organized than I was before. Um, I think I'm probably going to have a better relationship with my ex-wife than I had before when I was married. Um, because there's none of that other stuff in between. It's just, look, we're just doing this for the, the, the benefit of the children. We're both on board with that. So there's been a lot of positives as well. Um, you know, during that period of time, my health was, it was very difficult to maintain good health because I was under a tremendous amount of, of stress. Um, I had experienced something like that before when, you know, I had a, a close family member of mine who, who, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer. And during that period of time, my health, uh, you know, suffered a little bit as well. So, you know, that, that's kind of part of it, but I think I've, 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 I've grown from that as well because I've really learned on how to, how to use all the tools at my disposal to maintain myself as good of, of, in a, in a possible way so that I can, the best version of myself can tackle these things. And that's a skill that I think can come in handy in life because I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the last time I have a, a difficult, you know, stressful challenge. I'm pretty sure there's gonna be more, you know, if I'm lucky enough to live a long, long life, uh, you know, along the way. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, that, that's where sort of like self-development, self-improvement comes in, you know. One of the things that I've, I've heard you talk, I mean, that conversation there, I could take that so many different ways. We've just said there's about three things I want to ask you, but we're on the clock. So I'm going to go with the one that I think is going to be a lot, really relevant to a lot of our listeners as well, is you do have two kids and, you know, they're growing up in a time where technology is rife, um, iPads, uh, mobile phones, obviously like food, etc. And um, listening to you guys talk, you've got some uh, interesting. You, you've done something interesting with your two kids in terms of uh, limiting their use of certain uh, electronic devices, and you, you've noticed an improvement in, in their behaviour. And also, some of the things I think Justin was mentioning, I think you was mentioning as well, in terms of like rewards, in terms of you know, not just giving them everything on, on a plate when they wanted it. Because um, I remember, also remember you talking about, um, I think it's what the, what the pill or the, no, the magic pill when you're talking about, I mean, how much diet impacts children's health, especially if they've got a chronic illness. It's, it's unbelievable. And people saying, look, my kid won't eat that. So, well, if that's the only option they've got, give them a week or so, they will eat it. Um, but it's just interesting how about how you've approached this with your two. Because um, I know that people these days I see, I still have a lot of clients when we go through this as well, but for people out there that are not my clients or your clients, etc., how can they, how can, or what things have you implemented or what have you seen that's worked really well? Because, uh, you know, it seems to me a lot of today, a lot of these children, well, that seems to me, I know for a fact a lot of these illnesses are down to 
diet, lifestyle, etc. But also that kids are sort of ruling the roost in the house, and they're, they're they're saying I won't eat this, I won't eat that, and parents because for an easy life will give it to them. So what have uh, what have you done with, with that, Sal? What can what what pearls of wisdom can you uh, offer the the audience for this? <laughs> well, first off, I want to I don't want to make any claims that I'm an expert uh, by any stretch no, no, of the imagination. No, no, no. no. I was just I was just very interested in in your approach because I was listening to it. And I was thinking because sure. I myself haven't got any kids, so it's easy for me to say this. But for someone who's actually got kids, um, it can be quite a, an interesting perspective on things. All right, it's the mo- I mean, raising kids is a, a learning process. I don't care who you are; you're going to learn the entire time. But I, you know, I think we can all agree. I don't think there's anybody who will disagree with this, or at least anybody who's reasonable. To, who would disagree with the, the following statement? Everything you put in your mouth affects you in one way, shape, or form, right? It's going to affect you uh, in physical ways. It can affect emotionally. Um, it, you know, there's, there's, there are things within the food that cause chemical chain reactions within the body. So we all know that what you eat that literally, uh, literally becomes a, a part of you. So we all understand that. Now, when it comes to children or when it comes to anybody, but it's particularly your children, what you say has uh, so much smaller of an impact than what you do. What you do and how you behave as a parent has a far, far stronger, greater impact on your children than the words or the lectures or the things you try to tell your children to do. So that's an important thing to understand because when it comes to eating in a way that is conducive to uh, healthy you know, physical um, and emotional and mental development, um, you know, sitting there and telling your kids what they should and shouldn't eat isn't going to be nearly as effective as just demonstrating how to eat and what we eat. And so, you know, I've had clients, tell, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come train with me and they'll bring their kid with them and then they'll tell me halfway through the workout, you know, can you tell my son why it's a bad idea to eat ice cream every night, you know, before going to bed? Mm. And, you know, I'll, I'll look at the parent and I'll say, well, why do you have ice cream in your home? And why are you, why is anybody eating ice cream before bed? And we'll have that conversation. Not that I'm judging them, but, no, no, yeah. but you know, really like, you know, m- most children don't grocery shop, right? Most children don't go to the store and buy the, buy the yeah. food for the house. They're going to eat in ways and patterns that you eat. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a discussion unless they ask you questions. So uh, here's an example of, and this was a brilliant uh, suggestion by my girlfriend on a, a way to approach eating with my children. It's worked beautifully. You know, when, 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 I, when we have dinner with the kids, we just we don't even talk about it. It's just the order that we eat. We bring out, if we have three courses, for example, we'll bring out the first course, which will be vegetables. So here's your vegetables. We'll put on everybody's plate, and then we'll eat. Now, if, if my kids want to eat that or not, it's totally up to them. Now, I'm not, and I know, you know, the older generations kind of hammered into us the notion that you need to force feed your kid. They have to finish everything all the time. And I get where that came from. You know, that came from a, uh, that's a scarcity mindset. Came yeah, from they a, have rations and stuff, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it made sense. It made sense for, you know, from my grandparents' time. It made sense why we would yeah. force feed children. And that's that's me, probably why a lot of these cultures as well, going back, like they equate food with love, you know. You go around to the Italian families I see in Greek, and even English, you know, you go around to grandparents, they keep on giving you food because they associate it with love because they didn't have much when they were growing up. Of course. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I'm look, I'm Italian, right? My family, mm-hmm. that's my, my family's culture, I should say. And, uh, I mean, I was, my, my grandma and my mom would follow us around with food, constantly stuffing <laughs> food into our mouths. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's just what was normal. So when we, we bring out the food, here's your vegetables. If you don't want to eat it, that's fine, but you don't get to, you don't get to eat the next course. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, you have to finish this before we move on to the next course. So if my child says, I don't want any more, then we'll say, okay, well then you don't have to eat anymore. And they'll say, well, I want to eat the next thing. Well, well, you have to finish this first before we go. And it's just not a big deal. The next course that we bring out is, uh, the protein fat course, which will be meat typically, whether it's chicken, lamb, beef, fish, whatever, mm -hmm. that's the next course. And so I do these in order of importance. Uh, and, and vegetables I, I, I put first mainly because if I don't put that first, nobody's going to eat the vegetables. So I just put those first. Then the next most important thing is the meat and protein and uh, or the protein and fat. They'll eat that. When they finish that, then we'll move on to the starch if we have a starch available. And then they'll finish that, which is you know rice or sometimes we'll have organic pasta or sometimes fruit or something like that. And it's just the way we eat. It's not a problem. I don't force feed my kids if they don't want to eat. That's fine. I know they're not going to starve. No child is going to, you know, uh, consciously try to starve themselves. Or at least most children won't do that. So you don't need to worry about that. And that's pretty much it. Now, uh, do we have treats and snacks and sweets and stuff like that? We do, but it's typically a special occasion. What I mean by that is I don't have a cupboard where the kids can open and grab chips, grab crackers, grab whatever, just to eat whenever they want. I don't have that for anybody. I don't have that for me either. So if, if, it's, if we're going to eat something like that, it's typically a treat. Like we're after dinner, we've got some time. Hey, let's go, kids, let's go drive to get some ice cream. So it's kind of a thing that we do together. We sit down, we'll eat, and we'll have a good time. And it's not very, it's not very common. Um, here's, you know, it's important to understand, too, that your kids are going to grow up in the world, and the world has these foods, and at some point, at some point, they're going to make these decisions for themselves. And so if I'm too strict or tyrannical in one direction, at some point, most rebel, kids, yeah. are, they're going to rebel. That's what children do, mm. whether they go off to college and do it or whatever. And what you don't want to do is create such a tyrannical situation to where they rebel in a way where, you know, it's, they, they go crazy with it. Now they've developed a you know, bad relationship to food because, you know, my dad wouldn't let me ever have sugar because yeah. he said it was poison and, you know, well, now I'm off to college and I can do what I want, so I'm going to, you know, whatever. So mm. I want to develop, you know, uh, you know, relationship with food with my kids where they understand that and they, they make that decision themselves at some point and it's, it's a healthy type of decision. Now when it comes to electronics, you know, here's the deal. And by the way, with food, what we're starting to see now with new parents, the young millennials now that are starting to have children, is that they are actually ha they actually have better eating habits uh, than their parents did, for sure. Millennials are starting to, they eat more vegetables, they're more likely to buy organic, uh, they're less likely to overeat. For the first time in a long time, a generation is actually, seems to be moving in the right direction. It's, the, the, the evidence is kind of new and preliminary, but it looks like it. And I believe it. And the reason why I believe it is that it looks, you know, the way society tends to learn its lesson is it typically takes a couple generations for that to happen. And, you know, processed foods. Through pain, right? Pain teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Pr processed foods didn't really get introduced to the mass market until like maybe the 70s, 80s, and then 90s. It really started to explode. And so when I was a kid in the 80s, when I was a young kid in the 80s, uh, you know, processed foods, it wasn't like parents didn't really understand the really how bad it was so breakfast could be a pop tart lunch that could be some 
you know, you know what else? You know what else? So when I went over to Florida when I was younger to go to like Orlando when I went to America when I was younger, you used to get these big bottles of Sunny Delight. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> they used to glow in the dark. <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal, you know. No. So you ate all this crap. All lucky, the time. lucky charms and Sunny Delight. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was breakfast, right? And, yeah. and now we see all this obesity, all this diabetes, and you know, child, you know, children are developing diabetes at ridiculous rates now. And so I think millennials are starting to figure that out. It's like smoking. Smoking did the same thing. Like everybody smoked. Then we had a couple generations, lots of lung cancer, whatever. Now people are, you know, far less people smoke than they did, you know, 30 years ago. Far, far less. And so I think that that's happening with processed foods. But but what we're seeing now is the beginning of, you know, technology. You know, you brought up things like iPads and that kind of stuff. Mm. I think if you ask the average parent, do you think it's a good idea that your kid is on an iPad all day long and, and you know, you know, playing with apps and video games? All day? Most parents will say probably not a good thing. But they, we haven't yet learned as a society that you need to regulate it. Like we've learned now, or at least we're starting to learn with processed food. Like now, you know, if, you know, when I was a kid, if I went trick-or-treating with some friends for Halloween, that's an American holiday, it's where you go door-to-door and you collect candy, yeah. I would get a, a, a sleeping, uh, I would get a, a pillow sack full of candy and I was like you know I was like eight years old right and I'd come home and I'd sit in my room and I'd eat it until I got sick and and my parents they didn't stop me today if you most parents or a lot of parents now start to regulate that like okay don't eat all of them you'll get sick or whatever so it's kind of changed a little bit with electronics we're at the stage now where there's no most parents don't regulate it whatsoever but I think in 10-15 years you'll start to see parents put time restrictions and limits on electronic use because that can be abused as well. And I've just implemented that in my house. I give my kids four hours a week total each that they can use uh, that does not that doesn't have anything to do with school because obviously for school they have to use electronics. And they get to ration it however they want. So my son, my son tends to use it all on the weekend so he could just play video games with his friends. And my daughter likes to sprinkle it in during the week. And it's totally up to them how they use it. But I do limit it and regulate it just like I would regulate Anything else, because children, you know, they don't have that the same understanding as adults do in, in that we need to self-regulate for certain things. And you need to kind of teach them those behaviors and those habits by setting those regulation examples, uh, you know, as children. So then when they get older, they can understand it so they can also learn to self-regulate. So I think that's an important lesson as well. And it's just it's just structure. You just have to put that structure around it. You have to adhere to your own rules. So, you know, although I do work a lot on social media and our business is social media based, you know, I try to be a good example by not being on my phone um, all day long while I'm, you know, telling them to not be on their, you know, devices as well. I try to be that good example as well so that it just becomes a part of the life. You know what I mean? It's like when they when they're older, they remember like, well, you know, when I grew up in my house, we we didn't use them as much as other people. And I kind of like that. And it felt good. And you tend to revert back to the things you did as a kid that you 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 realize or recognize as a, as an adult were probably good habits. Didn't, didn't you also notice that their so sort of like their their behavior got got better? I mean, I think I heard oh, totally. you saying, yeah, totally, hundred percent. Like, you know, I noticed that when my son was on his computer or, or you know playing video games or whatever for long periods of time, when he'd get off, he'd be like irritated or irritable, or they're not as engaging, you know, with each other and people in the house. They also were. They also didn't develop the ability to be bored. You know, that's 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 a very important 
skill to have as a child and as an adult to be able to not have anything to do and be comfortable with that and to be able to think and imagine and process and come up with ideas and things like that's an important thing to do. I mean, uh, I think we're so we distract ourselves so much now that we're it's probably one of the reasons why anxiety is one of the 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 fastest growing uh, you know mental health issues in developed worlds is we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to sit quietly with nothing to do. Um, and that, you know, if you, if you want to look in the context of, of human evolution, we probably did that quite a bit. I mean, if yeah, once we were, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we hunted, we ate, you know, we sat there, we foraged and then, you know, you didn't have electronics and stuff. We probably sat there and talked with each other. Had all day Sometimes to play with the kids and stuff. Yeah. Or, or stared off at, mm. into the sky at night and, you know, you know, ancient humans were able to develop calendars and predict, you know, constellations and stuff. And they did that shit because they sat there and stared and, and, mm. and took calculations. So I, I think it's in, in humans or we can come up with some incredible things when we have nothing better to do. Um, so I, I think it's an important skill to develop, especially as a child and kids these days just. They're never bored. They always have something to do. And parents feel like they have to give their kids something to do all the time. You know, I'll tell my kids, my kids will be like, I'm bored. I'll be like, well, figure something out. You know what I mean? It's not my job to figure that out for you all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 100%. No, I completely agree. I mean, that combined with, yeah, as you said, that the ability not to be able to do that or always be distracted um, combined with poor diet and then gut health and anxiety, depression just through the roof, you know, yeah, intrinsically connected to your gut health with that. I mean, it's just, it's just like, it, it's the same as everything. It's like not, it's not just one thing. It all adds up and it causes like a, it's like a toxic soup and that's why you've got to be so aware of everything you're talking about there. And I think that's a huge yeah. thing. Um, yeah, we actually, yeah, go for it. So, well, as I say, we, 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 you know, we've, we've done a really good job in, in modern, uh, especially modern Western societies, you know, because we're relatively free in comparison to, uh, you know, how the world was before. And well, that, that, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. We haven't got time today. I'll get you back on and talk about what's going on in your country right now with this. And I know you're a big yeah, fan yeah. of Jordan Peterson and stuff, but that's a huge thing. Yeah. I, well, well, as I say, we're, you know, we're, we're, we've done a good job of solving a lot of major problems like starvation uh, dying from things like infection or injury. Um, you know, food is so abundant. We're obese now. Um, yeah. Shelter, and I know there's still people without it, but for the most part, people have shelter. And clothing is so abundant now that we throw more clothes away than, you know, third world countries even have to wear. I mean, we've done all these wonderful things, but what we've done is, as a result, is we've also now, cre- we've also now entered into a chronic health epidemic where, We've solved the acute problems, but now our health issues are the kind of chronic ones where we have anxiety, uh, mental health issues like depression, um, chronic health issues, autoimmune issues, um, you know, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, mm-hmm. um, you know, rheumatism, diabetes, well, Alzheimer's. Cancer's going through cancer. the roof. Yeah, so we, we need to start, you know, and that's the next horizon is, okay, we've solved these other problems, but in the process we've created these other ones. How do we now tackle those, uh, those issues so that we can solve those problems? And, uh, you know, I, the, the, the wellness fitness and health industry, I hope is the answer to that. Um, yeah. you know, to that, it, it's not, it's not going to be the fat loss, look awesome and ripped uh, message that, no. although that's part of it, it's the, the whole health 
uh, message that I think is going to be a part of the solution. Yeah, in the in the, in the search for knowledge and improvement, we've lost we've lost a lot of wisdom, I think, around that, and that's what um, it comes back when you talk about like back in the triumphs or anything. There's so much wisdom to to give us, um, and because we think like, modern technology, so it's like <laughs> just because we've got 2018 and we've got Wi-Fi doesn't mean you get rid of thousands of years of genetics. You know, it's it's not the way it works. Um, so I think right, sometimes right. you have to go backwards to go to go forwards. So I think that's a lot about what Lisa Kelly's about. You know, incorporating. Although we can be on me and you can be over Skype having a chat, um, we also know to do our breath work in the day to eat right, to get the right amount of movement, the right amount of sunlight, etc., etc., and, and to really look into it. I mean, um, mate, I know uh, you sort of we're heading towards the end. I want to get you back on, but just for everyone out there, I mean, uh, you guys, how just just quickly, how do you do you go about picking your guests out? Do you just is it is it all three of you get together and you think oh I've heard some good stuff around this or or is it um, or is it other people? I mean you just you just heard you just stumbled across or do you actually have like quite a uh, quite a regimented process for that one? Well, it's um, a lot of factors, but the the main one, the most important one, is do we think this person will be interesting uh, to talk to? We don't have to agree with them. We don't have to think they're they're awesome. We just want to, you know, have a great conversation. So typically one of us will have a, a suggestion. We'll bring it to the, to the crew. And if everybody, everybody usually will agree, especially if one of us really wants to talk to someone and then we'll, you know, try to pursue getting them on the show. Um, and, and just having a genuine conversation mm-hmm. with the individual and, and letting the conversation go wherever it goes. And, and sometimes it goes in, in directions that are so opposite or different from what we anticipated. So, uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily, you know, to interview someone that we think our audience will, will want to listen to, although that definitely plays a factor. It's like, okay, is this someone we're interested in? Uh, is this somebody who, uh, you know, we can have a good conversation with who, and somebody who will be okay with us prodding? Cause we do do a lot of prodding. We do our interviews. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty you. much it. Yeah, no, you do. And it's really good. Cause some of the best ones I think have been the ones that are just like that off the cuff. I mean, um, just, just, just for me and for everyone else. Who, I don't know if you mind saying, who's been your worst guest? Oh, geez, <laughs> worst. Guest. You know, the most a, a recent one that was that was difficult was uh, Dave Asprey, who's um, he's the the yeah, maker yeah. of coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, he called it. It was over Skype. Skype is a difficult medium, or or over the phone is a difficult way to do interviews because. You know, uh, a lot of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's one-on-one, it's a lot easier, but we have three hosts, so then it becomes very difficult to interrupt and yeah. interject. Um, we also like to get to know people and have deep conversations. And he he wouldn't let us go deep. He was very surface. It sounded like a big commercial for his products. Um, and uh, it just didn't seem very genuine. So that was probably one of the more recent ones that we I would say we all probably dis- agree that wasn't a good one. Yeah, and your best... Uh, I really enjoyed Paul Check episode. The recent one I had with Ben Greenfield was excellent. We had a great conversation with him. Um, uh, we always love talking to Tom Billu, who is a a fitness entrepreneur. You know, for one of the, the first billion dollar uh, food supplement companies. Mm. Um, you know, he was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I, those are I guess those are the more recent ones that we enjoyed. Ben Greenfield, one of my favorites. The, the most recent one we did with him was a, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. And just for people out there, like where, um, where's the best place? If obviously you're on um, iTunes and you've got a YouTube channel, correct? Yeah. So we're on most podcast platforms. Uh, the the podcast is Mind Pump. We have a YouTube channel with different and separate uh, information. It's Mind Pump Media, and that's on YouTube. And then uh, on Instagram, 
you can find us under Mind Pump and mine my personal page is Mind Pump Sal. Yeah, and you've got www.mindpumpmedia.com um, where yes, you've got all yes. your different programs going into different right. um, different things. People can look around there, like things for uh, priming your body, different uh, ways of getting the body into different shapes, aesthetically or aesthetically, which is awesome. So just, right. hold, just hold the line in a, a second, mate. Um, but thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, it's been a great great talking to you. And um, uh, I'll, I'll definitely be asking uh, Dougie to get you back on the show. So, guys, that was Sal DeFestano from the mind pump crew uh really good to talk to him he's a funny fun interview great conversation and definitely be getting him back on to talk about other things what's going on in america i know lots is going on especially with this this gender transgender movement um lots of things politically as well which is interesting to, to hear people that's out there side of the story but yeah, I mean, great interview. I've got some really good guests coming up for you. Um, definitely talking about next one's going to be all about chemtrails with uh, Bye Bye Blue Sky, which will be really interesting. So that's it for today, guys. As always, any articles or any health uh, help that you want with a chronic health issue, whether it be skin, gut, adrenal, thyroid, diabetes, or chronic fatigue, head on over to www.reviveyourself.co. Otherwise, take care. As always, stay healthy, stay happy. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 